This is Power Players with Dan Clark. Hi, it's Dan, Power Players with Dan Clark. You've all tuned into my podcast before, and as I've had an opportunity to not just interview some of the amazing student-athletes at the University of Utah, my alma mater, but to really get to know them, by, not just by reading their bios, but to ask them the questions that all of us really want to know the answers to. It's, it's bona fide, every single one of us ticket holders of why we donate to the Crimson Club, big, big donations every year, why we don't want to ever miss a game, and why we are cut and dried Utah Utes who blood red, bleed red no matter what. This episode is with an extraordinary human being who happens to play basketball. When you get to know Brandon Carlson, and you realize that that soft touch at the foul line, over 70% foul shooter, maybe higher than that, but in your bio it says you're about 70%. And when he's the big time player in the big games making the big plays, and he's on course, not just to be a, a first round draft pick in the NBA, but to maybe be Pac-12 player of the year, we're hoping for that, and he deserves it right now if they voted today. And for him to receive the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Center of the Year National Award, all of those would just be accolades on who he is as a human being. This podcast episode is brought to you by Strong Automotive. Dear family, friends, Tay, and the rest of the gang, who will provide for each of us listening in this podcast the greatest customer service, the greatest sales and sales support of any car dealer in the Intermountain West. Thank you so much for your tireless support of student-athletes at the University of Utah. So welcome to my, my podcast, Brandon Carlson, a local Utah guy who's made it big time on and off the court. It's an honor to have you here. It's an honor to be on here, Dan. Thank you. And just to get this right out of the chute, your hair is perfect and it kind of intimidates me. It takes me <laughs> off. I'm losing my hair here and I'm growing in my ear. Hopefully I can comb it over the, <clears throat> over the top of my head and fake everybody out. But you're handsome, man. You, you, you're, you're, you get this million-dollar smile so you could be a model. Why are you playing basketball? Why don't you just make big bucks as an Abercrombie model? And Oh, I, I wish. If Abercrombie wants to sign me, I'll quit basketball kay. and I work for them. So, you know, <clears> Any of you out there in an NIL influential position, think about Brandon, not just as a basketball star, but as, an, as a model. I can just see him lounging on Harley Davidson with his basketball uniform <laughs> on, selling, selling big-time uh, big bikes. Anyway, Brandon, it's an honor to have you here because, you know, I live in Utah. You live in Utah. And coming out of Bingham High School, you were a legit superstar, the number one rated recruit out of the state of Utah, named one of the top 100 players by ESPN in the entire country. <clears throat> you were highly recruited by Stanford and UCLA and BYU, obviously, and a lot of other schools, and you chose to come to Utah. Why is that? Teach us why you chose Utah when you're a seven-foot center and you are a four-star recruit and had opportunities to go wherever you decided and you chose Utah. Yeah, you know, I think for me, it, well, a lot of it was, you know, just being able to stay around home and my family. You know, I ha I'm the oldest sibling of, you know, five kids. And so I wanted to be able to, like, I kind of thought of, like, being able to watch my brother play in high school. And it was, you know, he's, he's out. He's graduated from high school now on his mission in Japan. Um, but being able to go and watch his games, you know, was amazing. I enjoyed all the time with being able to do that. Um, but more than that, you know, with 
Coach K, when he was, you know, obviously a coach at Utah and recruiting me, uh, just the, the vision he had for me and the success he's had with the program and recruiting, you know, Yaka Pirtle, DeLon Wright, Kyle Kuzma, who are all, you know, superstars, you know, in the NBA right now and superstars at, at Utah. Um, you know, that really intrigued me. And I th thought to myself, you know, if he can, you know, get these guys and he sees, you know, this potential and um, says that I can have some same success that they had, you know, I, I, I really like the, the, you know, the trust that he had in me. Absolutely. <clears throat> so have you researched what the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Center of the Year Award is? I mean, I haven't really researched it. I just, you know, heard of it and, you know, you see people win it, you know, every year and on Twitter when it gets like March at a time and, you know, it's, so it's a, it was, it was cool to be, you know, um, listed as, as a top nominee to watch, you know, at the beginning of the season, um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, obviously one of the most, the best, one of the best basketball players to play the game ever. Um, and so, you know, it's, it would be, you know, a huge honor to, to win that award. Absolutely. So I challenge you to look him up. He's a friend of mine. I've written five speeches for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I wrote his TED Talk. Okay. And as I had a chance to interview him many times for the different speeches, I realized the influence that his dad and mom had on his life. He grew up in Harlem, and his dad was a police officer who was a Juilliard-educated saxophone, jazz saxophone player. As a 17-year-old teenager, he got a chance to meet and work with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and the influence that he had uh, in his life really molded him into the amazing human being that he is off the court, not just the leading scorer in the NBA. And I bring that up because your family's really, really important to you. Let's talk about your parents for a second, the influence they had on you. Your dad played basketball at Chico State, obviously. And because you're seven feet, I would suspect that he's you know, not five feet tall. He must have <laughs> played you know, post or something like you do. Teach us about the influences of your parents. One thing that your dad taught you, one thing that your mom taught you, and then more importantly, did they encourage you with love or did they rip your lips off and say, you're not working hard enough, why did you miss that game-winning shot or you know, get to, the, get to the gym before you have dinner? Okay, yeah, so that's, that's great. So, you know, my, yeah, my dad, he you know, played at Chico State, and yeah, he's not five foot, he's six eight. I so, um, you know, I think... Uh, one of the things I really learned from my dad was I need to love the game if I want to be successful at it. And that's something I really know. I just remember when I was in, in middle school, he was like, if you don't want like to play basketball, don't do it because I want you to play or I want like, – because my dad's like, I love it that you play. I love uh, like seeing you grow and uh, progress in, in the game. But it's like if you don't love it, like you don't have to play. How, how tall were you in the seventh grade? Seventh eighth grade, grade or ninth, just in middle yeah, school? In middle school, in like eighth grade, like the end of it, I was around like 5'10", probably. So and that's why he's saying you're basketball star in the making, but you don't have to play unless you really love yeah. it. Yeah, and so I just remember uh, my dad was like, I, he knew he didn't have to worry about me like loving the game anymore after I was like a freshman year. And I was like, oh, hey, tryouts are here. Like, we got to make sure I'm, I'm there for that. And he's like, okay, he's like, he, he wants to play and he enjoys it. So... That's something I, I really cherish from what I learned from my dad. Just, you know, love the game if you want to be successful. Because if you, if you don't love it, you're not going to work hard at it. You're not going to enjoy your time. And so it's not going to – it's hard to be successful at something you don't love. And one thing you learned from your mom 
uh, for my mom. Um, honestly, uh, it's kind of a little funny story. Is I, I was in uh, I was probably I was a ninth grade freshman, so I got cut from the sophomore team uh, my freshman year at uh, Bingham. At Bingham, yeah, I got cut. Did your coach so I, deaf, dumb, and blind, or what happened? Uh, I no, mean, I come just, on, man. I wasn't good. I was just not coordinated enough. Not very athletic. Just. Just raw, like he knew I was, because that year I was I was six two, but a bunch of the other guys at the same time were, were six two as well. You know, it's like uh, everyone had that that early growth spurt and then just stopped. Um, but I just remember one one day one one game we we won. I didn't play so hot, and I just remember my mom coming in the room, and I was fine. Like I was like, oh, okay, I didn't play good, but we won. It's like whatever. But I remember my mom comes in. And she starts grilling, like, you're the worst player on your team. You, like, you're terrible. Like, if you want to be good, you need to start working super hard. Like, you need to change. And I think that's – it goes along with what my dad taught me, you know, if I had to love the game in order to be good at it, but then in order to be good, I have to work. And so my mom kind of, you know, that little kick in the butt, where you get out, like, you need to start getting – you need to be better. Like, you're not good enough. You're not working hard enough. And, and you need to success. love to work. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, my mom taught me – like about hard work. My dad taught me to love the game, and my mom taught me how. Like you need now, you need to work hard. I love it. So, you in uh, 2015-16 season at Bingham High School, you won the state championship, the 5A championship. You went 24 wins and two losses. I want to know about the two losses. What did you learn from them, and when did they happen? So that year was yeah my junior year. I didn't play too much varsity that. I was a uh, the backup to Yoli Childs, who you know had a successful career at BYU and you know was a great player. Um, but so the two losses, one of them was to our region rival Copper Hills, and um, just a little tournament in the fall. Lost them in the championship game of that, and it was and it was a battle the rest of the year. We played. Uh, Copper Hills twice more in region and then once in the state championship and game. And you beat them. And we beat them. Absolutely. And so I think the team just learned a lot, like, of who we needed to be in order to to win that game because they had a lot of talented players on that team. You know, I think two of them went to, to Utah Tech to play. Um, then it was Dixie State, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was the one loss. And then the other loss we lost to, I can't remember the team name, but it was a team in, in Vegas in another tournament. And I just think, you know, we were, we were a really good team. We had a lot of good players. You had Yoli Childs, um, Sunita Vea, uh, who's at Hawaii, and Leighton Parker, Jason. But I just, you know, a lot of good players. And uh, just the way that that team played together and the connectedness and, um, like, how fun. Like, we were all, like, I think our team was, like, one of the, like, we are all, like, such good friends. Like, I still talk with all my teammates from, from Bingham still, you know, everyone. Well, I had a couple at the, at the Washington game just uh, – yesterday and yeah so then the reason why I ask you about that is because we all as athletes we all know that we learn more from our losses than our wins but when you win and win and win sometimes we get complacent we get complacent as individuals I don't have to work hard I'm pretty good you know I scored a few what has kept what has kept you driven all these years from the time that you were a junior the time you were a senior in high school and then you left on a on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints immediately after high school graduation, which was a great move. Get a chance to mature a little bit. We'll ask you questions, what you learned in Manchester, England. But I want to know what keeps you dry, driven to become better today than you were yesterday, that you, that you 
sustain that love of the game that your dad instilled in you and that love of work that your mom instilled in you? Uh, it's just my goals, you know. My goal is to play in the, the NBA, and I want to have a successful career there. And and at the time in, in high school, it was to play Division One basketball. And now that I'm here, it's the NBA and so on. And so just having those goals really is what I think is my, my motivating factor, is what drives me to continue to work hard and you know, make changes to, for, for the better. Because um, without, without those goals, dude, I, would, I don't think I would have motivation. I'd probably just, just do whatever I wanted then. But, you know, just having that something in, in that farther, farther away that I know that's, I need to work harder to, to reach. So, so you, you mentioned that the power of chemistry on your team, that you're still great friends with all the guys off the, the court that you played with in high school. And when you go to a Utah game now, there's good chemistry. The new coach is instilled in you. He's become a master chemist, putting the right personalities together on the floor. You're playing well together. It seems like you're more of a team. Teach us about the significance of chemistry. And if you played on a team where there was no chemistry and so guys left, they entered the you know, transfer portal, whatever, because the chemistry was not there. Teach us about the significance of chemistry and what you as a leader can do to make sure that chemistry stays good, stays powerful and, and solid. Yeah, I mean, without I don't think without the chemistry of a team, you know, you're not going to have a you're not going to have success. You're not going to be the best that you could be if you were all connected and as one. Because I just think, like this year, I think this team is very you know connected and the way that, and not just by like play, you play well together, but I just think it's like this team supports each other and and celebrates each other's success that they have that we have um, and it's not just oh I need to like get mine I need to have my stats or whatever it may be but it's just all like hey how can I help him like oh and when you have a great game like you're gonna we're gonna let you know you had a great game and what you did well and as well we're also good to be truthful with each other when when we're messing up and not playing so good um, and we can we can be honest and we and all these all my teammates you know we know how to accept that too. We can accept when we're not playing good or we're, we're making terrible mistakes or whatever it may be, and we, we can listen because I just think we have that so much respect for every single one. And, you know, being a leader um, on this team is just, you know, I think it's the first thing was, you know, it's just being an example of, like, how, oh, like how uh, things need to go in order for us to um, have a good season, uh, whether that was just, you know, we got to come ready to go and practice every day. You know, we need to be positive. You need to be ready to, to, to listen when coach is talking, learn from film. When you get called out in film from a turnover or whatever it may be, you got you got to learn from that. Great, great answers, brother. This podcast episode is brought to you by Strong Automotive, the award-winning automobile dealership. Not just famous in Utah, but I have friends who have purchased cars from them from all over America, and they sing their praises. Strong Automotive should be your choice for your next automobile purchase. So, obviously, those of us who are Ute fans and basketball fans, we watch, and you're getting better every game. Isn't that interesting? You're better now. You were better against Washington than you were against Washington State. Regardless of the stats, you're getting better every game. What are you doing personally? One thing that you're doing off the court that's making you better and one thing that you're doing at practice and on the court that's making you better for the team? Um, I'd better say, as a person and then better as a teammate. Okay. I think off the court, um, 
you know, I just I make sure I have time for myself to just relax, do what I want to do. Because if I don't, if I don't get my time, whether whatever it may be, whether it's just take a nap, a twenty minute nap, or watch a TV show, if I don't get my time to just, I need to do something for me. I start getting a little crazy. I don't, I'm not as happy the next day. I'm not as in the mood for whatever it may be. So I need to make sure every day I have something that I want to do, whether it's go out to dinner with the wife or whatever, whatever it is, you know. And then on the court, you know, it's just getting in you know, extra shots up, getting extra work. Me and Marco, Anthony, we get into the gym uh, most days in the morning before classes and stuff and get up about 200 shots each, um, just work with each other, work on um, just all sorts of drills to, to improve our game. I love it. In addition to the rest of your teammates. In addition to the rest of your team, you do more than your other teammates do. Yeah, I mean, my teammates, I mean, tons of guys, you always see us in the gym, you know, tons of these guys are, are working. I think a lot of these people on our team, they want to be successful and they want to have, you know, a great career. So Kobe Bryant, he, uh, I, I love some of his interviews, and one of them was, so uh, teach us about Shaq. And Kobe said Shaq could have been the greatest center who ever lived, but he was lazy. Good old Kobe, only he can get away with that. And he said if Shaq had worked as hard as he did, Shaq would have been the greatest center who ever lived. So who inspires you to keep working harder than you've ever worked before? Um, because something's going on, brother. You're getting better. And it's got to be more than just putting in 200 shots in the morning. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, it's throughout my life, it's been different factors what's, you know, helped me and or who it was that motivated me and kind of inspired me. You know, in high school, I think a lot of it was my dad. You know, I always wanted, I wanted to play college basketball like my dad did. My dad was always my, my role model growing up and stuff. And, and now I think uh, it's, it's my wife. You know, she's in law school right now, and how much time she spends reading – and writing and just studying for whatever it may be. And she works super hard and she has her goals as well. And she, like, she's never resting. She, today she was just, uh, before I, I came here, she was just, she was um, working on this project for one of her professors and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, I got this one and I got two more to do by Wednesday or something like that. Oh, wow. And I was just like, and so the, way, the work that she has, you know, and how hard she does and, She's nothing's gonna stop her from accomplishing her goals and me saying that, you know, it's like we both want success for each other. We want each other to to be happy with what we're doing and enjoy it and reach our, reach our goals. And so, you know, seeing her how hard she works and what she does for me, you know, I think that's what helps motivate me a lot. I love it. So, what's the love story? How did you meet? Did you meet? Pre-mish or post-mish or what? So we knew each other uh, pre-mission. Just a lot of mutual friends. She uh, Bingham? She went to Harriman High School. So neighboring high schools. Um, only lived like 10, 12 minutes from each other. Um, but we never dated in high school. And then just after my mission, uh, we were at one of our, our friends' homecoming from their mission, and we just started talking. And, you know, she was up at Utah State at the time. And, yeah, I went up there for a date one day, and Rest is history. She said, exactly. "Who's this stud muffin hunk of burning love?" And your, your rest is history. Yeah, I don't know how I pulled it off. Uh, good but for I you. Did. Greatest salesman at the University of Utah basketball program. <laughs> okay, so Kareem, 
Um, you know, he's a high school kid. He's seven two. He's he's power memorial. They went seventy one and one. They lost the game too. And then obviously he goes to UCLA. So I asked him who was his inspiration. Who do, which NBA player did he want to emulate? And he said, well, the two. There was Bill Russell. And there was Wilt Chamberlain. He said, Wilt Chamberlain was just this massive, huge human being who just bullied himself to the hoop just like Shaq. But he said Bill Russell had so much finesse. He was in the, you know, he, he had awesome footwork and you know, different things to do. And then Kareem said what he decided he needed was a shot that no one else had, a shot that no one could block, and that's when he created the sky hook. And interesting, his last little... NBA's leading scorer, his very last shot was of a 20-foot baseline sky hook against the Utah Jazz. So let me put the pressure on you. What one NBA player inspires you, and what are you doing to emulate his play so that you can become better and more like him? I mean, I wouldn't say there's just one. You know, I think I take a lot from a lot of different bigs, James, that I want to incorporate, and, and even guards as well. Like, I see a move or something, I'm like, oh, that's nice. I, don't, I kind of want to work on that. I love but, that. Um, you know, I always kind of get compared to Pau Gasol. Oh, yeah. I get that one a lot. I've gotten Dirk Nowitzki a couple times. Oh, yeah? And then the current, the current one right now is Chris Stapps Porzingis. Um, and so, I mean, I haven't really – I wouldn't say I had an NBA player that was just oh, I need to be just like him and work towards that. But, you know, kind of coming into to college and getting those those comparisons, uh, I'd say I've watched a little more, kind of watched how, how they played, um, you know, Pau Gasol and, like, his, his uh, mid-post game and his face-ups and the moves he could do there. You know, I, I'm still working on that and getting to try and be a, as elite as he can. You're awesome. In case you have a brother, twin brother Hayden, is he seven feet? Oh, so my, my twin brother, yeah, Hayden, he's only he's six foot, six one. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Did he play basketball or? Not, no sports. We, not at all. Just kind of the, the opposites. He, he was in sports. He was he did karate, and then he was in, uh, he's a very musically and talented. I am not musically inclined whatsoever. I cannot sing, can't hold a note, like whatever it may be, but he's, he's a really good singer and stuff. So he was in the, he was in the, the musical in high school. So, wow. Yeah, he's, he's a talented, but. Not in the sports way, but in the others. I love it. Okay, so pregame, pregame ritual. Do you have any superstitions? What do you do to get ready on game day? What do you eat? What kind of music do you listen to? What do you do? I mean, I, my only superstition really for game days is I just gotta take a, a little nap. Thirty minutes to an hour, just take a quick nap um, before the game, and then that's kind of it. But I think. My other superstition that most of my teammates know because they, they, they count it with me now because they just like, oh, is he, he going to do it? Is I have to do everything in increments of five. So like, when I clap, it has to be five or 10 or 15 times. I can't go like 13. Like I count or when I uh, am like just doing whatever, like if I have to hold my breath for some reason, like, oh, it's going to be five seconds or it's going to be 10 seconds. Like whatever. But I do things like has to be five. What about, you know, we had uh... – Hornacek, who played for the Jazz, and he had a r- ritual routine at the foul line where he would go like this, which supposedly was some secret message to his wife or his son, like, I love you or something, and then he would bounce it the same number of times each time before he sat, s- s- 
before we set to shoot. Do you take that five to the foul line as well? Do you bounce it five times every time before you shoot? Uh, I don't bounce it five times. My thing at the foul line is I, I catch it, I do one bounce, but then I tap my fingers down, go one, two, three, four, five on the ball, and then I'll shoot it. And what does that do for you? It just helps me relax and focus on the shot, honestly. just I think it's one thing my freshman year I was learning, just coaching, like I wasn't shooting a good free throw percentage then, and so it was like you need to find out something to distract you from you know the environment all around because there's you know there's a lot going on at the game and especially on a, a when you're away playing whatever like at UCLA and the, the student section is all behind the backboard and you just need to lock in and dial in on the hoop and shooting that free throw and so just being able to think I'll do this now instead it just kind of it takes my mind off of the other things. I love it. Hey, so. Uh... I want to know what you learned on your mission. You know, for those listening in who have never volunteered for anything, let alone one year or two years at your own expense, that's an interesting conversation, I believe. This episode is brought to you by Strong Automotive, family-owned, treating our student-athletes at the University of Utah as if they're their own. So it's not so much going on a mission, but what you learned on your mission that helped you go from boy to man that all of us can relate to regardless of our religious tradition. Teach us about that transitional time of your going immediately from high school to a foreign country, England, Manchester, uh, and, and some of the things that you learned in the mission field that can translate into all of us becoming a better human being. Yeah, I mean, you know, the mission was an amazing experience. I loved every every second of it it's hard to say but I loved a lot of seconds of it um but uh I think there's so much that I did learn from mission I think some of the top things you know was how to be selfless uh you kind of learn my dad likes to say um uh, that I think a lot of missionaries learn like about astronomy on their mission because they come back home realizing they're not the center of the universe um, <laughs> that's funny and so and that's I think I did you know it's like when you when you're with a companion, you know, twenty four seven, and I've learned to do so many selfless acts. You know, I got a lot of advice from family or friends, like, hey, like, you know, you get an argument with your, your companion, you know, do a small kind of act of service, and I'll kind of help ease the tension and things will get better, and you'll feel better. And so on the mission, you know, you really just learn. You just you have to mature. You know, you can't be. I mean, some people don't. Some people just goof around on the mission and whatever. And I think it's a complete waste of, of their time and you know the Lord's time, obviously. But I think for me, uh, you know, you really, I just learned how to be selfless and you know caring for other people, um, and yeah, not worrying about myself and my wants because you're going out, you know, every day, uh, teaching lessons to people, talking with people, trying to find people to talk about you know Jesus Christ and church and everything and so and every day it's not fun every day but you know the the satisfaction you get when you, you make a connection with the person um you know it's, it's, it's hard to beat i agree so you said being selfless selfless but you said one of the things that you love to do that you need to do to keep you the best version of yourself is to do something just for yourself so your friend of mine, Gary Brecka, he's famous for saying, if you're selfish in the morning, you can be selfless the rest of the day. So if you're selfish in the morning and take care of you, take that nap, do what you need to do, listen, whatever you have to do just for you, then you can 
give more. Interesting how, in my experience as a missionary, what the, the number one thing I th- think I learned, and I want your take on this, which you've already explained, is that the first and foremost thing you need to do is learn to love the people, love the culture, love the, the diversity and equity and inclusion. And you were in England and I was in Ireland. So that love of the game that your dad taught, the love of work that your mother taught you, obviously amplified itself while you're in England in the rain. So now that you're back, how is that helping you become a better husband and an eventual better father, a, a better family man, which you know, we got to talk about what matters most, which is what lasts the longest. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of going like off of what I already said with like, you know, a companion. Uh, like, now I have a you know, forever companion, you know, it's a wife. And so she's, she's got a whole list of to-dos for me to, every day. Like I, got, like I got all my chores to do. Uh, she makes sure I stay on top of things, but you know it's just you can't you don't think about yourself anymore at that point when you when you're married. You know you got to like think like when I was a when I was a freshman. You know after practice, like oh a bunch of the guys are are gonna go out for, for dinner. Like I could go with them, but now it's like being married. It's like I got I got a wife at home. Like we already had plans. I can't be thinking like how how it's just gonna affect me. I gotta be thinking how things things gonna affect both of us. Absolutely, which helps you become a better teammate. Yeah. It affects all of us. Okay, as we wind down here, brother, two things. How do people get a hold of you on your social media? Because in the NIL world, the name, image, and likeness, we need some big, big-time big sugar daddy here in the Intermountain West to step up and say, you know what, I think Brandon needs to be driving a new car. And since this is sponsored by Strong Art Automotive, Taylor, you're a family friend of a strong family. Let's see if you can have a family powwow and hook, hook your boy up here. <laughs> um, having said that, no pressure, Taylor. Um, what, what, what's a good way for us to get, uh, to, to, to get to become part of your tribe, to show our support for Brandon Carlson? What's your, what's your social media handle your account how can we follow you yeah, i mean uh, uh, the classic one on, on twitter is baller brandon 35 baller b-a-l-l-e-r yep baller brandon 35 that's kind of cocky come on dude really i made that as a junior in high school you i know, love I it baby it. start thinking big man that's great okay and then uh, my instagram is uh, brandon underscore carlson 35 c-a-r-l-s-o-n Okay, last thing that I ask every athlete that I've had a chance to interview, give us a uh, give us a sales pitch with the transfer portal, with the NIL, with three star you know, recruits costing us this this much money now, and four star recruits costing us this much, and five star recruits costing us this much this much. It's like we're at a it's like we're at an athlete's restaurant. We got to pick which player, which which which. Know, which offering on the menu we want to wine and dine and get, get to come to Utah. I don't buy into that stuff. It's all about culture. It's all about team. It's all about quality of life. It's all about tradition. It's all about the support of the community, and no other team in the NCAA supports their athletes better than the University of Utah, and we travel. You know for a fact that on so many away games, it's really a home game, just like we saw at the Rose Bowl, 94,000 folks. And about 70,000 were Utah fans in red cheering us on against Penn State. So I just want you to 
basically give us that sales pitch, that serve pitch. Why should every awesome high school basketball player, basketball star come to the University of Utah? You know, I just think, kind of like you said, I think Utah has such you know, a rich tradition of success. The memories that you make here, the memories I've made here, you know, are, are something I'm never going to forget. Going to forget. And I know you, people make memories anywhere they go. But the family and the environment that you experience here at Utah is unlike any any other. Um, at basketball games, at, at football games, you know, just hanging out with your friends in the dorms or whatever it may be, you know, everyone here wants the best for you and wants to see you succeed. And then it's nothing, they never have any ulterior motives or whatever it may be. You know, professors here want to see, see, see you succeed in the classroom and on the court as well. Um, whatever you're doing, you know, people here are, are here to support you. Absolutely. And even though it's in the formal introduction, let me just conclude by saying, Brandon Carlson, watch list, ladies and gentlemen. He's on the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award Center of the Year list, and I think he's a front runner. You're a front runner for a Pac-12 Basketball Player of the Year. That's amazing. Congratulations. You're coming on every game. And in 2021-22, you were all Pac-12 second team and preseason all Pac-12 first team. And I think you're going to be an All-American. You're getting better every game. Congratulations on an amazing season, amazing career here at the University of Utah. And again, this is Dan Clark, Power Players with Dan Clark, encouraging everyone to not just donate to the Crimson Club on behalf of these student-athletes and not just buy season tickets and support our basketball program. But please consider the NIL opportunity to show love to help these young men and young women monetize their, their fame and fortune as they help us to raise millions of dollars at the University of Utah. You're one of the fine young men I've met. Brandon, it's an honor, and I hope you'll keep in touch with all of us, especially me when you get rich and famous and I get front row seats to an NBA game. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. <laughs> Thanks, The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.